Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Joining me now is Jerry Mayer Judson, our show contributor. I wanted to bring you on, Jerry, just because there's so many issues that we talked about today. I thought, uh, get your thoughts on this. Uh, you know, we were talking about driverless cars. Yes. We were talking about whether we uh, change property taxes so it's there's greater tax on the, the dirt. The, the dirt, dirt your house is on, sits yes. On, and it's not a war on baby boomers and Gen Xers, or maybe it is, I don't know. So it's, it's an interesting conversation we just had with the Center for Policy Alternatives. But let's, let's talk a little bit about... Um, the UBC study on driverless cars. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting, but it really showed that, you know, uh, British Columbians are still very hesitant. Yes. Uh, on the fact that they just don't have the comfort level there for with driverless cars. So your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I took a class in uh, back in my university days. It was called Human Factors. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was about how human beings interface with systems that we build. And okay. usually we don't build things that are very human compliant. So <laughs> that's the thing. I think that's where it sits is because human beings are great. We are slow, but we're very smart. We can react in ways that a computer might not to a situation. We're more than just input-output machines. Mm -hmm. But computers like that would operate a self-driving car are uh, very fast, but they're very stupid. It's like they only... They can react faster than a human being ever could. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like you, uh, like that incident with the Tesla car and the very white, broad semi truck, it's yeah. the computer reacted poorly. Whereas a human being could have seen that and intervened in I a way. I think in this case, in, the, in that case, and this is a case where I think it's in court now, the, the Tesla, because of the way the sun was reflecting on yeah. the white semi yeah it it i think it veered towards the semi in Mm -hmm. this case is what happened so it's in court and that's one of those things that you don't hear a lot about but that's where you kind of hesitate a little bit in regards to wait a minute here right like are we there yet and i think that if all of the cars talked to each other i think that if we had a network of some kind where yeah every car was it would you know knew what every other car was doing and could anticipate those moves and stuff more like i guess if you had your own individual little skytrain car on the road is basically what it would be like i'm for that but you know as i was saying in the interview like i was in taiwan uh last week i was there for a couple of weeks and part of my trip was there to, to visit uh, uh, some of the, the high-tech uh, parks that they had there. Mm-hmm. Most, a lot of it was focused on semiconductors, but it's a country with very few resources, so they spent a lot of time on developing the technology industry there. And one of the things that they refer to it as the Internet of EV. So they're working on being mm-hmm. the center or the country you go to for all the technology behind uh, electric vehicles. So they won't build the vehicle but the brain they want to build out of Taiwan. And I right? like that. I like. I think that that's the direction that we need to go into if self-driving cars are going to be if truly self-driving cars that you actually should and can. Yeah. I think if, you to, if that's to be but adopted, I like that thinking. It, thinking is good. And they were showing us how you know traffic signals can speak to your car, how they can speak to the roadways. So Perfect. They're, they're testing it. So they're way ahead of a lot of uh, nations. My concern is when one of them was uh, we were asking some questions and they were talking about extra monitors 
in your vehicle, mm-hmm. right? And the guy says, well, you know, at the end of it, you, you won't need a steering wheel. And I'm like, what? Pardon? <laughs> I think you should put it even like the, 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 the things to keep the kids busy at the airport, like the little just plastic steering wheel that doesn't do anything. I think put well, one of those in my self-driving car just so down, it feel down like a freeway it. at 80 kilometers, 100 kilometers an hour and no steering wheel? Oh, I wouldn't know what to do with my hands. It would be I know. too weird. It would be too weird. Yeah. And then so, you know, and, and on top of that, then you got to add the fact is how does, what does, what do government regulations look like when it comes to uh, regulating this stuff That's and how true. comfortable you're going to be, right? And it's, the government's always going to be slow on these things, it's going to be extra careful. So there's huge challenges still. I think we're a long way away, even when I was in LA and I was mentioning this in the interview. Uh, I, I had one of the major ride-hailing companies. They were already looking into the future. I remember they came to me one time. One, they were talking about a vehicle coming to your grandmother's house who has a doctor's appointment. So it would arrive. They would step into the vehicle. The vehicle would take you to the doctor's office, right? Interesting. So it's it's used as part of a transit system. Okay. Now, I, would I you like want that. your grandma in a driverless vehicle? That's the right? mm, and driverless right? vehicles are really good for people with like uh, motion disorders. Like if you have Parkinson's and you can't drive anymore, maybe there's yeah. something there for you to be able to get from A to B and get your independence back. But but don't you want human supervision still in the vehicle? I don't know how to somebody? do that. Put kit. Get- Kit, Knight Rider, just yeah, make it that. It sounds <laughs> great, but I, I just think there's so many things that still have to be figured out on the policy side, what rules and regulations look like, and just a core comfort level. Anyway, let's talk about the other issue. I yeah. think it's an important one. And one of the reasons I wanted to have the Center for Policy Alternatives on the show today, and of course, as we as we were saying in the interview, which is at 5 o'clock, they are basically saying it's time we brought in uh, essentially a land tax, right? Mm-hmm. Our overall real estate in the last two decades has grown to $2.1 trillion. It's residential real estate. $1.5 trillion of that is just land prices going up, mm-hmm. which they argue you haven't done as an individual done anything, anything to make that go up, right? Now, sure. Uh, what, and so they're saying, let's tax some of that land increase mm-hmm. and put that towards building affordable housing. That sounds wonderful on paper. I don't know what politician is going to go to voters, especially homeowners, and say, I want to tax your dirt. Risky. Because, right? I mean, it's... Risky move, but I do think there is, there's something to that because that is the thing that's going up in value. Like your home, from when you build it, unless you're constantly remodeling, re-updating, it is just sitting there rotting. Your wood is rotting. Your your plumbing is getting outdated. Yeah. Your house is like... It, it's. I think that, and this is a really unpopular opinion that I realize is a little bit insane, but I do think how like homes should depreciate like cars and like off the lot when you step in with your family, when you start using the house, mm-hmm. I think it should go down. But then the land, obviously, that's the thing that is technically more valuable, but should you be punished for the dirt that your house is on being in a desirable place? No, no, no. Well, there was, he was mentioning, or Alex was mentioning that uh, Alex Hemingway, the uh, senior economist uh, from uh, the Canadian Center for Policy Alternatives, was mentioning, look, three million plus or houses two and a half million plus. It doesn't take a lot now to even say if we did two million, you're going to capture a lot more. I think it's like 11% of British Columbia uh, that have homeowners that have yeah, and, and that's their property value yeah and they pr- they're probably mostly middle class folks who bought home worked hard to pay off that mortgage or in the process of paying it up but in the last 20 years that home has pretty much doubled in price and then some right yeah but i just i don't know if it's possible yet to sell that to the public i don't think it and is and it doesn't necessarily that. make homes more affordable if you do that either no, it's, it's just, just taking that money and putting it towards affordable housing yeah. right 
as long as government does that. Mm-hmm. I just think there is too much of a generational battle there, number Maybe. one. And you're not going to convince any boomer or Gen X or even some millennials, hey, I paid into this and I've been paying into it. Every furnace that had to be replaced, I raised my kids here. That's don't true. tell me you're going to tax me now because I paid off my house. Now I got to pay extra for the dirt? I don't think so. No, you, already that's got, true. you already got property taxes. So I'm glad we're having that conversation. I just don't think society's at this point where uh, we're ready for a, uh, a land tax beyond the property tax that we're already uh, charging. So there you go. My two cents. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you.